Welcome to another episode of the Mock Stars Podcast. I am your host, Evan Kunai, and I am here with Jordan Garcia. Hello. And Christopher Ritter. Uh, He's here. Let's, He's here. Let's, let's fucking go. <laughs> Very drastic uh, energy levels. Yeah, quite the dichotomy. <laughs> Uh, if you guys want to support the show, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find the links in the description below. You can also yep, yep. find our link tree. Follow that and you can find everywhere, like literally where we are everywhere. And uh, Geo-tracking and everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you are watching on YouTube, thanks for watching. You can like the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that bell for updates. Ding. And uh, today we're having quite the discussion. We're talking about interaction and how it is uh, interactive to the game. Yeah. Jordan's favorite subject, literally. I, is I, this my favorite subject? It might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely up there. I mean, your style of play is like speed. You want to see more cards so that you have more interaction. Yeah, I mean, definitely a control player at heart that, you know, learned how to leverage that into being a greedy player. Um, I love interaction, and I think kind of my, my top thesis statement for this whole episode has been put more gosh dang interaction in your decks, whether it's ca uh, competitive. I mean, they usually have enough interaction, but casual decks, I, you can play casually and still play interaction. I think it's very important. And even if you're worried about removing a card that you want to play for an interaction piece. Remember, there's always interaction stapled to bodies. If you just want to play bodies. Yeah, yep. That is my favorite thing yeah. about deck building in general is just you have all these like base staples that you need to hit, whether it's ramp, interaction, whatever, but making it work and synergize with what your deck's already trying to do. So if you're like, I play a Jetmere list and you know it's a creature-based strategy, it runs 43 creatures, playing something like Cathar Commando, you know, you get that artifact enchantment removal on the body, so you get both upsides. All right, all right. Save it for all the primary right. discussion. Before we get into it, uh, we are going to start off by talking about two of our favorite pieces of interaction before we get mm. into the primary subject. And uh, let's kick it off. Let's start with Chris. What do you oh, got, man? Oh, we're starting with me. Yeah. Uh, I'm going off the dome with Dismember. It's a classic so two good. pieces of Phyrexian black mana, one colorless, target creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn. Uh, you know, gets around indestructible, gets around whatever you need to. Kills it, all those Theros gods. Oh, for sure. It's going to cost one mana most of the time. Four life is nothing in a game of EDH. Uh, it always feels good in your hand. It's almost always a relevant removal piece. Uh, you know, if you're not holding that in your hand, you want to be holding swords mm. or even path. A single basic land is also pretty much nothing in a yeah. game of EDH. If you're in white. You should probably be playing those two cards. Yeah, probably both. <laughs> I think uh, both, just like for card density quality and like stuff like that, it's just great unconditional removal and dismember included in mono black or just if you're running black, I think you play dismember. You never even have to worry about having the black pit, I, which is incredible. Yeah, Jordan is a, a famous Grixis player and there have been times when he's taken dismember out of the deck and then he just comes right back in. It's, it's back hard. In it's, a, it's give and take. You know, I find that more often than not, I take it out because I'm playing Ad Nauseam, and uh, yeah. I have to really watch that life total and taking uh, what is that, four off casting that because I'm never paying one black black to cast it. Right, yeah. Uh, it's, not it's not good at uh, one black black. No, it is not, not great really. at one black black. Yeah. But 
the neck five neck five is just has been so relevant puts for in so work. many years. Is it, it, good? it always puts in work. Is it good at one black and fire, then paying the two life? Like pay two life and then yeah. one in a black? Yeah. If, if it's taking any creature off the board for one black, one colorless, that is a great rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unconditional. I, I think that's where it's yeah. like value comes in is like there's a flexible cost to the whole thing. Like you can, at a minimum, pay one colorless mana and pay four life. Mm-hmm. And you can sit there with minimal resources held up and have a piece of interaction, have a piece of removal. And... Not to mention, it has one of the sickest artworks from Secret True Player. True Debt. Yeah, it's hard not to play it when you have that. <laughs> the you have that, you have uh, the, like horror movie poster. Yeah, the Yogmoth Bone oh, Saw version so of it. Yeah, Bone Saw. <laughs> <laughs> I've got you for three minutes. <laughs> All right, Evan. <laughs> what is your uh, favorite piece of interaction or underrated piece of interaction? Well, I had like two, and we had a little discussion beforehand. And I had a hard time picking because I love both and I want to make a case for party, but concerted defense just is not as good as an offer you can't refuse. Uh, from Streets of New Capenna, if you don't know what it is, it is one blue mana, counter-target non-creature spell, and then the controller of that spell creates two treasure tokens. Have those treasure tokens in a yeah, game of EDH. Yeah. Uh, not, not to not to beat that point into the ground, but there's a lot of things where the downside is irrelevant in this game. Yes. Yeah, 100%. You're hitting an ad nause with like with a an offer you can't refuse. It's like it's the fact that it just any counter any spell counter any spell like yeah two can hurt like two treasures can hurt and it can give somebody a good opportunity. But the, just the versatility of the counterspell, if you play it well, if you time it well, I don't think, I think the downside it will be minimal most of the time. Well, I think it's just exponentially better because it is so much more flexible than concerted defenses. Like, this is something where you can counter your own spells with it to sort somewhat create a ritual. That's so true. you can. Uh, it happens semi regularly. Yeah, you know, if you that. pick up half your library or whatever with. Uh, um, peer into the abyss or yeah. an adnos or whatever you're looking at it and all of a sudden you're uh, casting mm-hmm. I don't know a soul ring and then you hit it with a mental taxing probe or like yeah, a exactly. box diamond you don't even bother like discarding the land too exactly because you can uh, count or yeah and then you just sit there and you counter the count uh, you basically counter the counter to create a ritual with like a mental misstep on a soul ring and you create two treasures you still get your soul ring and now you're up four mana to continue your run you're essentially storming off at that point and I think this card is just so much better in decks that want to maintain advantage create a storm and push your initiative forward yeah concerted defense is uh, a single blue instant and it counters uh any spell, right? No, it's only non-creature. Okay, yeah. so yeah, there's the downside. The only non-creature, unless they pay one for each creature in your party, or plus for each creature in your party. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it makes you inherently think like you have to have a creature-heavy deck to benefit off of having a counter spell, which a lot of times those are kind of incongruous things. There's a lot of... Uh, I mean, uh, people underestimate party i think we've we've learned that like we've seen the party deck play and that just the pre-con was devastating even with sans blue so uh there are a lot of creatures out there that just so happen to fit into the party mold where you can play them out they can be a stacks piece and then you're also sitting on a considered defense and boom like you're playing najila najila's a warrior like Great. Now you have to pay one more to like pay for this tax. Right. Considered defense. But bottom line, you're being cute. Offer you can't refuse is it, just it is just the better, better card. card. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It is unconditional. Yeah. I would not run concerted defense in an ad nauseum deck, but uh, there's just too much upside to ignore an offer you can't refuse in an ad nauseum deck. Right. All right. Uh, Jordan, 
Um, Hit us. Yeah, I know. I got a little excited earlier. But uh, yeah, some of the some pieces that I like, these are actually ones that have just kind of been popping up into my purview more recently, just seeing how good they are, is March of Otherworldly Light. Um, came out pretty recently. It's funny that your card is white and my card is blue. I am not historically yeah, a blue player switching, at all. Switching here. You, you are not a historically a white player yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, March of Otherworldly Light, just being able to pitch a white card to exile now... Uh, can you pitch CC? multiple white cards? You can. That's Ooh. the whole March set is so good for this. There we go. Um, this and then the March of uh, Swirling Mist, I think, are the two best from this series. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just such a great removal spell, and it kind of gives me that um, Heliod's intervention effect, which I love by being able to hit multiple issues at once. But you get the huge upside of the cost reduction. So I think I keep playing Heliod's intervention, but I think this card is just better. I. I I go back and forth on these. I think if I'm building in white, March and Heliod's will both end up in the initial draft of the deck. More often than not, Heliod's going to make the final cut. That's fair. March is going to get cut unless, I mean, I have space, but there's so much good removal in white already. A lot of good removal in white, so yeah, you got a lot of competition. And also, like, if you're just splashing white, you have to be conscience, uh, conscious of how many white cards are you going to feasibly be able to pitch to this spell? You're not getting the cost reduction. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Much like Dismember, you know, you got to look at it how you want to cast it and not that one black black because it probably gets way worse. Yeah, you're sacrificing on, like, hand advantage, card advantage. Yeah. 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 So if you're just splashing white for a few removal pieces, this might not be the card. But if you're heavy in white, you're mono white, two color, I think you should consider it. My yeah, other... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. It's basically an exile target non-land permanent, which, well, it doesn't say that because you're missing planeswalkers, but it's just valuable to be able to hit something that is slowing you down or, or something. And, and Multiple can, things. Hit a stacks piece, hit a win yeah. con all at the same time. It's just too good. It's just so significantly it's been better than... the force of effect, actually. Yeah, like uh, March of Burgeoning Life, the green version of it. Like, they put in the wording there so that you can't hit something exactly. It's like you have to, like, go over the mana cost in order to, like target something and, and search your library for a creature and put it on the battlefield. This one, I, I thought they would do the same thing, like even with Swirling Mist, but they didn't. They just created, it's funny that little wording um, hinders uh, March of Burgeoning Life more than one that does this. So this is much stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we see that happen all the time in like a set where they have a full cycle and one or two is just supremely more powerful than the others. Yeah. Full standout for sure. Yeah. So my other card on here is also one I've been seeing more and more and loving more and more and that's Dress Down. It's, uh, it's actually an interactive enchantment with Flash for one in a blue and it just says when it enters the battlefield draw a card so it cantrips it replaces itself which is always great with interaction. Uh, but it says all creatures lose all abilities as a flat static effect, um, and then you have to sacrifice it at the end of that turn. So this is great for stopping a Thassa's Oracle win. Uh, you see that come down. This is great for stopping a Dockside from coming down and killing that ETB effect, um, but also just things that are already on the battlefield. You know, Evan plays Zakama, so if you have a value Zakama out, like... That it's it's going to stop that instant mana turn. in a lot yeah. of decks. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. just a, because it has flash. This card is good. It would not otherwise. Obviously. Are you playing this anytime you have blue mana? A lot more frequently, yes. Uh, especially in like my competitive decks, there's just times where stacks is you know more and more popular. We keep talking about it. So uh, being able to just say, all right, no more hate, no hate bears this entire turn. Go. Yeah, I like, think we've been seeing a lot of creature lot. based, like creature based decks. Tons is, more and more and more as yeah. we get to the late game or the mid game. And this is one of those things where it's like a Winota player or yep. someone has Winota on the battlefield. Even in the '99, we're seeing that like Winota is still incredibly powerful. Yeah. And this is one card that just shuts that down. Go to combat, flash and address down. Yep. I did it against, um, what did we see? What's the Sphinx that cast the 
odd mana spells. Yeah. Uh, oh, crap. Yeah, can't remember. <laughs> Whatever that giant sphinx that casts the odd mana spell you reveal off the top. Uh, anything with an attack trigger, anything with a great creature, huge ability like that, stopping that from resolving is very, very good. Yeah, we're talking about you, Marg. If, you, if you're if you listening to this, we're talking about you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually was playing against it in, in the real life, too, the other day. and uh, it's, it's a super strong deck, but uh, yeah, just being able to hose any creature strategy for a turn is extremely powerful. Being able to turn off an opposition agent so you can resolve a worldly tutor. Like, yeah. it is just so much good application. Yeah, it's not only incredibly powerful, but you said it does replace itself. So there is uh, potential to run into more interaction with it. So like you're 100%. laying down, you're laying down uh, the stack, and then uh, you're basically shutting everyone off and, and creating card advantage for yourself. Yeah, I think control shells like it because it gets to cantrip and you kind of prevent that one one for one uh, kind of card disadvantage in a four player game. Uh, but like I, like I said, I played in my Grixis, greedy Grixis decks because it just lets you go. It lets you like just take off anything that's holding you back and just go for the turn. So I think it is good in multiple different situations. Yeah, it's wild that we all chose enchantments for like <laughs> our, our favorite. Are good. Like all of our second options are enchantments. And uh, it's one of the card types that has just the least amount of interaction. Towards. It makes you think that you should be packing enchantment removal in your deck. Yeah, like you said, you would play Heliod's Intervention over a lot of uh, mm -hmm. other options like March of Otherworldly Light because it just hits... Hitting enchantments is really good and very underrated. It does not happen a yeah. lot. All right, guys, you have a few more cards. Uh, Chris, what's your other card now that we're talking about enchantments? Uh, well, uh, I'm going into a whole cycle, and oh, yeah. I'm missing the red card from that cycle. Is there a red card in that cycle before I get into it? We're talking Weeblet, Darksteel Mutation, Trapped in the Moon, and at a slightly lower tier, in my opinion, Kenrith's trans Transformation. So Crazy. what we're doing is we're turning off your commander. Uh, not not destroying them, not sending them back to the command zone to be uh, recast, but turning them off. So Weeblet is the black version that's been around since Arabian Nights, recently reprinted in Modern Horizons 2, I think, and that's going to phase out any target creature until Weeblet leaves the battlefield. Darksteel Mutation is the white one. That is going to turn any creature into a 0-1 indestructible uh, artifact creature, I believe. Mm -hmm. Trapped in the Moon is going to turn them into a land. And Kenrith's Transformation, and uh, this is the weakest one, it's going to turn them into just a 3-3 Elk, which uh, then some other piece of removal can hit, and then they get their commander back. I do see why you're, say why you're saying that's weaker, but it cantrips, so I do think it gives you it a, does a different upside. I would like it, I think, if it had Flash. That's fair. You know, I, I think that would be the move there. Not that the other ones in the cycle have flash or that it's under underpowered. It'll make it's, up for it's that. just it's just half a tier below the other three that I named. I will say not being able to like interact. The other one that's on here that's not necessarily from this set is uh, Song of the Dryads. Uh, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, uh, Song, Adam played it on me this week. <laughs> yeah, and it it sent you to the Shadow Realm is what it Yeah, did. I mean, he, he hit my Thrasios once I uh, had gotten my Thrasios Seedborn Muse set up going, and I was just like, I went through every spell in my list through my head, and I was like, there's nothing I have that will remove that. Well, the table looked at me like I was crazy. It was like, uh, why are you hitting Thrasios? You just hit the Seedborn Muse. And I'm like, nope. You take the Thrasios away, the Seedborn Muse is just... Uh, Useless. Yeah. Yeah. So to your to your point, Chris. Yeah. The lack of interaction you have once it's like a land is crazy, crazy good. Nerfing a commander, nerfing just like a really good value creature that you just pretty much have no hope of getting back. 
Mm-hmm. It's a very good effect. Yeah, Weeblet, you need to be packing enchantment. I mean, I mean, yeah, for any of these, enchantment removal, Weeblet, As you just can't said, do anything because it's phased out. Darkseal mutation, you need to exile it somehow because it's indestructible. Right. <laughs> Trapped in the moon, you have to have a ghost quarter or a wastelander or a strip mine, some piece of land removal in your deck. Kenworth's transformation, anything will buy your, get you your commander back. Just, but, yeah. you know, it, it, it makes it durable. You know, you want to keep that commander off the board for a few turns, probably, anytime you're playing this. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I did look into it. Uh, Weebliette was printed in Arabian Nights and then most recently, Double Masters. That's right. Double Masters. Did get that reprint. Okay. Yeah. And it's super undervalued. Mm-hmm. They're only charging like a buck fifty for it. So mm-hmm. it's very undervalued. It's good removal for, for sure. Yeah. yeah it, it's worth looking up the Arabian Nights version because it has some janky card text. Because uh, I, I, I don't know if phasing was established at that point necessarily. No, it was not. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it definitely was not. I can see the paragraph there, of text on that. Well, the funny thing is, if you go and you look both of them up, they actually have different, uh, like they have different text. Like the, uh, I, they haven't quite been errated to say the same exact thing. <laughs> so kind of a yeah, kind of yeah. a weird. Uh, Just go to go together there. Yeah. And a fun fact about Weeblets, they are a medieval prison, and if you've seen The Dark Knight Rises, that is the type of prison that Bane was kept in. It's a pit that you're in the bottom of. It's Wow. Yep. Where you get forgotten, essentially. Yeah, crazy good flavor on that. Yeah. Uh, Um, So, yeah, the final card... I'll move into it because uh, you were saying that, you know, Kenra's Transformation would be a lot better if it had Flash. Speaking and there's a card that was recently printed in the Kamigawa Commander decks, and that is Swift Reconfiguration. I, mm. think, I, I like it. It's, it's, it's in the same template. I think it does have a downside still. Yeah. Which is a little can, different. Yeah. You know, well, you, you gotta, yeah, you got to be able to kill art, an artifact. And I, I, you know, I think that that is an ever-present like, thing in the game. Is like Even if you have any of like, the Weebliette and stuff like that, as long as you have enchantment removal... Uh, you're safe. And I guess that's what we're talking about is that enchant removal is super undervalued. It's not very common. So these cards are stronger because of that. Mm-hmm. You really just get to take advantage of it. Like, right. It's like kind of taking advantage of like landfall and land strategies because people don't play land destruction. It's like almost nobody's playing at least like more than one piece of enchantment removal. Yeah. Cur- currently, I think enchantments are, are like one of the greatest ways to... Uh, generate mana, like, and ramp. And so, like, using Sanctum with a swift reconfiguration just adds to that count, and so you're generating more mana that way. Wild Growth but, is insane. Like, a turn yeah, one Wild Growth, yes. it just feels so freaking good in a mid-range deck, I can't even tell you. Yeah, it just blows my mind that it's 79 cents. It's, or, or was. It's, stup- it's stupid good. It's so good. Yeah, and so the, I guess the utility you see with swift reconfiguration was I wasn't utilizing it to its full capability because... When it was printed, the initial reaction from the community was, wow, this just goes infinite with Devoted Dream. Yeah, I mean, once everybody got whiff of the combos, that was yeah. pretty much all it was about. It is still a good, like, interactive piece. I think it's nice that you can have it in your deck for both options if you're running the combo, but you're also not worried about using it to interact at the right time. And you can use it to save your own creature. Like, uh, mm-hmm. all creatures get, you know, like a dismember comes across, you know, yeah, comes like on the Yeah, like a targeted stack. creature removal spell. It yeah. It stops it from being a creature on the stack. And because you can still crew it, once it's turned into a vehicle, you don't necessarily lose that creature. You right. Can, yeah, that's a it's smart play. Super good. Yeah. I will say the major downside is, unlike all the other removal pieces that we just talked about in that are enchantments, uh, it doesn't stop 
the abilities. The creature doesn't lose any ability. Right, which so, is static abilities, right? Yeah. It's a downside. Yeah, any abilities. Yeah. So you can, you know, Thrasios can still activate even if he's not a creature kind of thing. Right, yeah, and that's why, like, it's a downside and it's an upside. Like, when you're using it to, like, take your own creature off the board, like, as an option mm -hmm. for creature removal, if your commander is completely devoted to your strategy, you can just turn in yeah. an artifact, make it harder like to Like, save Seedborn Muse from a uh, board wipe and exactly. then just recast Thrasios. This is, yeah. this is classic Evan right here. Uh, swift reconfiguration and offer you can't refuse both uh, interaction pieces that have possible upsides yeah. if you're trying to get to some combo nonsense. Yeah, create that value. Yeah. And like Maximizing that deck. When, uh, Jordan, you were playing your Malcolm build, Swift Reconfiguration was... Uh, way better than I thought it was yeah, ever going to be. Yeah, that put in work right there. And the funny thing is, is that uh, if you play it after attackers are declared, and as long as it resolves, they can't crew, like they can't crew the creature again and like right. have it re-enter re combat. Yeah. It, yeah, it completely removes the creature from combat, even if they do happen to remove it before damage is yeah. dealt. Even just using it as a way, like I've had it in the past to just save your own life total like you have like a beefy nine nine or something like that and just yeah throwing it out there just to <laughs> make sure you don't get slapped for nine a turn like when you're like late game that comes in huge right and i've just found it to like yeah it definitely is like a powerhouse in my deck for one mana lots of flexibility yeah for one mana yeah. like the flexibility we just discussed all the different modalities it has uh i think i think it is worth a slot a lot of time, <laughs> especially if you're running the combo uh, I will say the, uh, the last thing. It is uh, the only card that I've ever seen where the borderless variant is cheaper than the bordered variant because it doesn't include the flavor text. Flavor text. Best flavor text. Yeah. In the game. Here, let me see if I can't find the flavor text quick because it is just too good. Swift reconfiguration. Uh, it says, on the bright side, the bear now has cup holders. Just one of the best flavor texts out there. It's, in yeah, it's pretty hard to ignore the, how great that is. All right. Are you guys ready to move on to our main yeah. discussion? Let's go. Uh, Jordan, what's the thesis statement again? Well, I said it at the top, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it for the rest of my life. Please put more interaction in your decks. Casual, competitive, anywhere in between. You need to be interacting. It's just not dropping six sixes for six mana and swinging. We got we to gotta make sure we're stopping people. We're keeping people honest at the table. Someone's always going to be greedier than another player. So it's kind of on everybody to show up with interaction in their decks. There's, there's four people there. Everyone's trying to do their own thing. You can't do your thing if everyone else gets to do their thing exactly, first. Exactly, yeah. So, so, yeah, you might not like counterspells. A lot of people don't in casual pods, and that's fine. But, like, still packing a braid for when, you know, somebody casts, like, I don't know, like uh, any creature, any fucking stacks piece that's a... Uh, you know, a blood moon effect. You have you to be have a able. You have to be able to contribute to the game, and that's yeah. what this discussion is about: is building your decks to be able to contribute to the game, whether it's on the stack, on the field, uh, sorcery speed, instant speed. You just like stopping and. Uh, an opponent from winning, like that's interaction. Stopping an opponent from stopping you from winning, that's interaction. So uh, removing a, a, a smothering tithe because just nobody can afford to feasibly pay for smothering tithe every turn. So you just expect that it's going to snowball out of control. So someone needs to remove that. Otherwise, odds are that person is just winning that game just for getting to resolve the spell. You're in friendly competition with the other three people at the table. You know. You want to do things that sometimes you want to do things that will help the table overall, even if they also help your opponents, such as blowing up the smothering tithe and, you know, giving everyone else a chance as well. At that yeah, point. it's it's political as well. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge topic that we can 
cover another day, but politics in the game of interaction. So like knowing that like you can make a deal with someone like, hey, can you blow up that tithe? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that sort of like relieves the pressure, you knowing that that player is going to like uh, take their foot off the gas for you and let, you know, give you immunity potentially for a turn. It's uh, an integral part of the game. It is absolutely necessary. And if you're not building your decks with interaction, you're just going to sit there and you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, there's inevitably going to be something that just stops you from doing what you want to do. And if you didn't build a deck that really considers other decks at the table, then all you're going to be doing is looking at your hand, figuring out what your game plan is, and trying to execute that. And you're going to get frustrated when there's all this stuff popping up that's stopping you from happening. Because guess what? That's what happens when you play a four-player game. People are trying to also win and stop you from winning. Yeah, I think when people talk about interaction, they're not necessarily thinking about removal. Like, interaction on the stack is primarily, at least the the majority think that it's counterspells like counterspells and uh stopping someone from doing something so like i guess there are counterspells with upside there are some that are overrated some that are underrated and some that are just unfairly powerful like force of will uh, you know you're paying for card advantage but it is just uh you have to hold no resources up for it yeah i think i think i love counterspells obviously i'm a blue player but I don't think that counterspells are even close to the end-all, be-all for interaction, and I don't think they're even the best form of interaction. I think. Yeah, you need them in the moment. You need them in the moment. Huge exactly. drawback. And usually, you know? you know, it's even better if you're trying to just, you need them to make sure that you're resolving something, like an ad nauseum or whatever. But, like, if you're just relying on counterspells to get you through the game and you're just now looking at three players, like, all right, is now my time to counter it? Is now my time to counter it? Like, what are you doing that gets you any closer to winning this game? Because it doesn't seem like you're doing anything. So, but like other interaction pieces, you know, like being able to destroy enchantments, like we've been saying, being able to stop the creature at the right time, that gets you further, stopping, like shutting down these like value engines essentially. Like, yeah, that lets you stay in the game without someone running off. Yeah. I, I mean, anytime you're interacting, you're buying yourself time to yeah. do what you want to do. Mm hmm. So yeah, I think it's really just assess where your deck is at. Like, where where does your deck thrive? Are you going to the late game? Do you need to stop a few people that are going to get some systems in place before you get off to the races? If so, you might want to figure out where you need to interact so that you can accomplish what you're trying to do. Yeah, as you grow as a player, if you're more of a casual player at the moment and you've just wanted to venture into more competitive play, you're going to become a better player by including more interactions mm -hmm. in your deck. And you're going to learn that over time. It doesn't come with, like, uh, you know reading a deck list because you might not know how to use that interaction in the right moment. So uh, I think as time has gone on, I've gone from value engines to interaction. Uh, like uh, I've swayed that direction more heavily just because it, I find that it wins me more games. Uh, and since you've been a blue player for a majority of your career, Jordan, you're now starting to like strain to Naya. You're starting to feel my pain a little bit. It's uh, Naya's like primary focus is creating ways to avoid interaction. Well, I was going to say I'm actually going the opposite direction, and I'm leaning more away from as much interacting and on the stack with counter spells and everything, and more resolving a singular value engine <laughs> i've gone yeah. the opposite direction because you just burn yourself out if you're just trying to counter everything yeah it's funny how like a counterbalance will sit there and it'll interact with the table with every single spell that's cast you know, yeah the potential to reveal a card that is just gonna yeah we talk about like, sticky interaction yeah it's something that just stays there it changes it puts like a mental block in your opponent's minds mm -hmm. to say like 
Oh, it's a mental game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it just stops the whole table in its tracks where like you revealed a land it, countering a mana crypt and then the whole table goes around and they're like, well, I can't play my Jeweled Lotus now. I can't play. Well, not even that, but even if there's not a, even if you don't know that they have the counter spell, the idea that they might have the counter for it stops you from making plays. Yeah. All yeah. The time, Either like, you're going to wait another turn to go off. Mm-hmm. So you're more sure or, you know, cast you're not going to make spell. the play at all. Not yeah. or cast a spell that you like, yeah. not the ideal one. You're like, mm-hmm. I've done that all the time. Like the second spell I wanted to cast, like, all right, I'll just get this out see what's on top or something like that. Yeah, you're almost like baiting it. You're baiting yeah. them out, which and doesn't feel good. You're down a card. You're down mana that turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, in 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 our we played a high powered game this week, and Jordan, I knew you were holding up counters. I didn't know if you had the right counters. I so I had a creature based win con and a non creature based win con that I could have tutored for in the moment, and I had to make a choice between them based on what what tutor I thought you might have had in your hand or what counter you might have had in mm-hmm. your hands. And I ultimately chose the wrong one. I, I went for Dark Ritual instead of going for my Protean Hulk. Yeah, that's right. And, and I, and, I bid on the counter on the Dark Rit, so you wouldn't yeah, have the man. You were able to counter the Dark Rit. Right. Yeah. And then I yeah, and then I ended up having to bully Jordan into countering the, the Protean <laughs> Hulk too. <laughs> like he had more than one counter spell. I mean as is the way when you're I, the mid range Thrasios play. Yeah, I didn't have an answer to it, so I had to like force Jordan into taking care of it for me. Like there is that like that line of thought too, you know. You can uh, make a good assertion of what cards are in a deck just by the color, maybe even by the commander of uh, yeah, the, once your, your opponent. Yeah, yeah. Once you start knowing like you know general like archetypes and stuff like that, and which colors thrive in that, then you can probably ascertain, like you said, like what commander is what their game plan is generally trying to accomplish. Like, are they going to be on the front foot? Are they going to be on their back foot? Are they going to be sandbagging interaction? And you keep playing in the same pod and you start learning player tendencies. (laughs) Yeah, that changes everything, too. Yeah, that's... Instead of yeah, new people all the time, you're like starting to know everybody. Yeah, yeah, you can you can Chris talk. knowing that I'm holding counter spells. Yeah, you can talk strategy all you want on like a surface level, but everything changes once you start including like the uh, I guess the tendencies of the players in your pot. It's, yeah, it changes uh, so much of your all politics pot. is yeah. local. So like, even at right. the magic table, I mean, yeah. it was the big thing when we went to Marchesa. We sat at the table and we had seen hundreds of interactions you know we had played against each other enough times to like at least think that we had a good idea of what we were going to expect and i mean the thing that just blew me away was that every other player that was sitting there they like had this level of fierceness to their like just i don't know it was they had seen thousands of interactions it wasn't just hundreds like we thought we were prepared they were so much more prepared than us because they they knew when to interact like that was a big thing like uh, jordan and i actually got matched up at the tournament and we sat there and we lost to a turn three hermit druid who had uh, cast a neoform uh sacrificing their birds of paradise and going into uh thassa's oracle and activating hermit druid on the stack to win the game i had interaction in my hand i chose not to use it because we had a deafening silence and a rule of law on the on the board and i thought we were safe but it's just like knowing when to use it because you can kind of like see i knew like my thought and i had a ranger captain of eos on the board i thought that they were going to go for the dread return line because that's what i had seen like it's the classic hermit druid line you know you've seen it a thousand times yeah i I, yeah that's i've seen it enough times and just for him to just sneak under the radar with that neoform was just uh, it was a very clever play. And yeah, it was very clever, and it just yep it just goes what you're talking about. It's just like as you progress from being you know 
an okay player, a casual player, if you want to get more into the competitive side of things, just like seeing more interactions, like Chris was saying, like knowing that I had counter spells in hand and trying to accomplish your game plan anyway. So it's like, you're now playing the player, right? And like knowing what that deck is trying to do. How much mana do they have open? How much mana do I have? Can I afford to cast one spell to bait interaction? Like all these things where you start playing outside of your deck. You you stop playing your 100 cards and you start playing against 400 cards. And like that, I think, is really where you start escalating to a higher level of, not even just like competition, but just being a higher level of player. You know, you have a higher like mind towards the game. Yeah, the more you interact, the better the player you become. Yeah. I mean, the more interaction also creates more varied games mm-hmm. because True. the games not you don't have four people on a single track heading towards a destination. Yes, you have uh, that fracturing and going in different directions because Our there's now interaction. Wildly, yeah. Like there are some games that just you think it's going to be like the first thirty minutes, like oh this person's got it, and then somehow two hours later we're still playing the same game. That God hand you had, yeah, <laughs> and just like you know everybody gets a chance to win at the table because of interaction essentially yeah and there's more ways to interact than people might think whether it's like the dismember or that like taking something out of the game with a weebly at um yeah that single piece removal or something you know like i think like uh, mayhem devil is overlooked because there's so many great interaction card yeah sacrifice focused abilities that uh, mayhem devil can like even just fetch lands or whatever but Tossing one damage around is not like under like don't underrate that because it yeah. is. I mean, treasures powerful. everywhere, clues everywhere. Like yeah, increment incremental value adds up. Yes. Yep. And you're just killing things on the board like that. Mm-hmm. It has that option. So like va- the value of Mayhem Devil. Um, I mean, there's ways to stop interaction on the board too. Like one of my favorite pieces at one mana. I think I I love low mana curves, but uh, Allosaurus Shepherd just completely turns off counter spells for yeah. Um, you know, for for green things. Yeah, actually, we have a little list here, but essentially, like what you're saying is like anything that's makes things uncounterable and stuff like that is is it's a form of interaction. You're interacting with counter spells that people have in their hands that you don't know about, and they just have to sit on them. I I can't tell you how many times I've had interaction for your cards and that they're useless pieces of cardboard when you have Alasaur Shepherd, a one green uh, creature, just sitting on the battlefield. It yep. drives me crazy. Yeah, so we have like. Um, Vexing Shusher is another one. You know, like that is a yeah. form of interaction. You actually have to bait out the counterspell a lot of time, but it's still that kind of mind games you're talking about. Like, if they see that you have the mana to activate Vexing Shusher, even if they have a counterspell, there's a lot of time they're not going to cast that counterspell because they know they're going to lose it. Right. You sit on the mana, you, like you sit on one open mana, and it's like, and then, you, oh, okay. You know, you did, you did anything. nothing and you countered their counterspell. Right. Because now you get to have two mana for the next spell you're going to cast, and you're still going to be able to make it uncounterable. Yeah. It, yeah. If you can telegraph a play that is as valuable as holding a counterspell in a lot some, of times, sometimes more. Because nope. again, you get around that one for one mindset where mm-hmm. maybe you just two for one or three for one on the table because you scared people away. You have a malevolent out and you have the one blue mana up. Mm-hmm. A, a stupid piece that requires another stupid piece and then you get three player turns of them doing nothing and you, you were bluffing. And you're you know? bluffing the whole time, yeah. yeah. You're just trying to buy yourself a turn cycle until you can get to the value that you need. Invexing Shusher is political in its own way where it doesn't exclusively say, you know, the target spell you control right. can't be countered. It's like target spell can't be countered. So you can like you can protect counter spells mm-hmm. in yeah. a battle. You're watching stuff happen on Pro- the stack. Protect a removal piece, you know? Y- exactly. You know, you're like, that needs to go away. And then that player's like, nah, you know, like fierce guardianship, and then you're just like, ha. Shusher. Yeah. Shush. And then and Shush. then they burned a f- counter spell on top of it. You know, the the fierce guardianship's gone. You kept the piece that needed to stay in play. 
Lots of good versatility there. Yeah, and one of my favorite things now, uh, it's funny that it just keeps rising in price and hasn't seen a reprint in forever. Uh, Grand Abolisher is just the best version Please reprint of that. This. That's like a $40 card right now, I think. Yeah. I think 25. I bought I'm looking it, at buying it. I bought it ago. six weeks ago at like 20 Dude, I know. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at it right when you bought it. It's yeah. absolutely insane. Oh, that's a bummer. Please, please reprint it. Well, if you're in green, you can play Dosen of the Falling Leaf. Dosen it's the Fallen slightly Leaf. worse. It is significantly <laughs> worse. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not even slightly worse. <laughs> okay, but it does cost more mana. You got to give me that. <laughs> it is more expensive to cast. So I think it's good like for what you're doing in your Dina deck. It's uh, it's being there to catch you with your with like your uh, Protein Hulk. Yeah, when you resolve the Protein Hulk sacrifice, right, your setup is to grab that so that you don't get an interaction piece after that. I think it's a great card. You, you just have Dosen. to be aware of it and so you can play around it. Yeah, you grab Dosen and activated Sleeper. That is correct. It, on yeah, the first activation, yeah. that is, uh, they're both three CMC, and then you have Dosen on the board. Nobody else is casting spells now. Um, they can activate abilities to interrupt your line, but you have activated Sleeper on the board, copying the Protean Hulk, which is now in your graveyard. Then you're going to sack that activated Sleeper, and then you're going to go for your win con. Yeah. So then um, you have a fully protected win con. So with the except except for, except for activated abilities, yeah, I guess if, if that is protected. relevant, yeah. you know, um, there'll be a few times it is, but yeah, I think more often than not, like it's probably gonna you're probably gonna win that game if you've gotten that far. Yeah, it's really hard to wiggle under the radar of what Dosen and what Grand Abolisher prevent players from doing. Like Grand Abolisher, the only weakness that's that it has is a more recent printing, and that's like Besaju, like yeah. or uh, Ottawara. Like yeah, those, a, those Kamigawa lands are the one thing that just happened to slip under the radar. Some people may call those pushed, but I do think that having that ability is something that the game did not have. And I think it's really good. It's because, necessary. Because otherwise, effects like that just go unanswered. Like yeah. you don't get an opportunity. Like say you're holding counter spells that don't hit creatures. Okay, well, my first spell will be Grand Abolisher. Now all the counter spells in your hand are useless. Interaction right. should be fair at its base. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, big time agree. You're trying to equalize. Yeah, even I think they scale up to like interaction. You know, I guess that just leans right into the like the next thing is that like interaction has extended to not just being an instant, not just being a sorcery, not just being an enchantment, but they've now like put it on lands. It's you know the channel ability has so good. Yeah, it scales up with power because I mean even though you're destroying something and you get to go search for, I think that's like maybe where it falters a little bit. It just allows you uh, an opponent to search for a land with a basic type. Yeah. So it, it definitely like has its drawback. You give them Slightly something. Slightly bigger but, downside than just like the Swords to Plowshares. Yeah, or Assassin's Trophy. Like yeah. you, they, it forces them to search for a basic. And when you're playing at that highest tier, it's like not many people are playing basics at all. So, yeah, but you know, the they get type, nothing they, out of they it. They get a duel or whatever, which is a downside, but the, uh, yeah. The uncounterable not spell casting of any spell removal, I yeah. think, is definitely worth it. Yeah, the the payoff should be larger. Yeah, the payoff is uh pretty dang good. And I even think um the blue one is better. Oh, Ottawara? I, I, think, I do too, yeah. yeah. Uh just again, being able to bounce a stacks piece, be able to get a bounce a grand abolisher, just Well they're they're all playable except for the red one, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and Jordan <laughs> can make a case for that now. He's he's looking at playing uh what is it, Stokenzon? Yeah. Yeah, just just what, be, what's the benefit there? Jetmir. Okay. Just hitting the literally yeah. creature density. <laughs> sure. It, I, I mean, if you have the the land, I don't spot. run any single land that taps for just a red mana. So, and I only have six uh, percent of the color 
pips is red. So I decided to not put that in the deck. Oh, yeah, that's really? probably smart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just doing it because you can isn't necessarily yes. optimal. We like to build our decks that yeah. like, you know, everything is you know, we min max everything, even my lands create creatures so that I can activate Jetmere or have Jetmere's ability to trigger. But you gotta be practical. Yeah, it's a byproduct of like uh the uh, underrated overrun ability that Jetmere has printed on him. So good. All right, so I want to pose a question to you guys because Evan uh, disagreed with me, so I guess I'm posing this question to Evan and also Chris because you're the stacks player here. Do we think of stacks as interaction? I like to think yes because, like I said, with you know the uncounterable things, you don't see what these people are not able to cast and what's in their hand. Yeah. So you're interacting in that regard. Chris, what do you think? I, I mean, it goes into a different category. It's going towards trying to do the same thing, which is disrupting your opponent's game plan. But I think it gets added in a different way. I, I mean, when you're talking about interaction, I think classically interaction is going to be something that is uh, responsive okay. rather than uh, passive. A lot of stacks is going to be passive, preemptive, uh, prophylactic, or, or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I think they get at the same thing, but approach in different ways where I would categorize them as different things. Okay. Like, so in my stacks decks, you know, I, I have the stacks build and I am still thinking about a separate interaction package on top of that. Right. You know, you just because, just be, you know, just because I have a ton of redundant stacks pieces where maybe your creatures aren't generating value and you can't attack me and you can't do this and this and this. I, I mean, I still want the swords in there. I, I still want the path in there. Mm -hmm. I still want, you know, other creature-based removal pieces. So, I, so yeah, you know, again, they're doing different things. Disruption, not interaction. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think uh, you're more interacting with your opponent's psyche with uh, stacks than you are interacting with the board. I think they're more of a static way to stop interaction, which is why I classify it differently. That's fair. I, but there are some stacks pieces that actually interact, like Aura of Silence. Aura of Silence is a great stacks piece that also interacts, yes. Yeah, and Taxing I, everything for one and then being able to, after you've shelled out and paid the taxes, now then getting it removed. I've done it plenty of times. Yep. Well, that's, that's something we've brought up a few times now, which is that you have interaction stapled to things. Yes. So uh, One for one is not good all the time, or yeah, most of the time. It's just not good enough anymore. Yes. Even Allosaurus Shepherd turns into an overrun effect. Like, that's yeah. stapled on top of the uncounterability. Yeah, would you play Allosaurus Shepherd if it was just the, the one green drop? I probably would. Uh, well, there have been times when I've had Allosaurus Shepherd on the board, and it, like, being uncounterable and not being able to have your green spells countered is so valuable. Good. It's very valuable. I feel like it is extra that they put, like, pay six, everything gets, all your elves get base power five, five. Uh, but I've had the Allosaurus Shepherd bounce back to my hand enough times, like on the stack, and had my spells countered it is in so response. Good. So, like snapping the Allosaurus Shepherd back to my hand so that they can counter like my uh, finale of devastation is just like devastating because you think you're safe and you're not. It's but you did require two pieces of interaction on the stack. I like, did. Yeah. That is that is quite a bit to ask. Right, and I think bouncing effects as interaction are more valuable than just removal because it plays into your opponent's psyche of saying like I have to recast this to get it out there to reestablish myself and that's where uh I mean, this is kind of leaning into a different subject, but that's where I think Psychrift is like way more valuable as a piece of interaction than a lot of other oh. just like board wipes. Oh, for sure. Because for it, sure. It, it says like, as as the person who got Psychrifted, like I have to spill this all back out in order to reestablish myself when that's not necessarily the case. It's more like that's what is expected of you mm -hmm. to do. You're losing turns worth of board state, mm -hmm. right? You know. 
also the modality of it, it just being again being able to like bounce a single piece or bounce every single piece yeah you know like we're, it seems like you know we're really coming to the conclusion like interaction is great but make sure it's working for you make sure you're getting that value make sure you have the options at the right time you know you have the right answer so like winds of abandon is also great in that same way that oh. cyclonic rift is great because exactly. you can just exile single creature so good or every creature that you don't control yeah vandal blast you know, you know overload is a great example of this i guess damn damn is a yeah. great example Jeez, i've this. just gotten i've gotten my just my ass handed to me so many times by damn lately just makes me say damn makes you just scream damn yeah and uh damn is a good card damn is a great card because both rates are correct two black yes. to destroy target creature or two white two colorless to destroy every creature mm-hmm. i mean both on rate yeah, yeah. psychrift psychrift is greatly costed like one in the blue plus the six blue you know like the very good effects there the only reason you should be playing Wrath of God or Damnation is if you don't have access to both those colors. If you're playing black and white, Damn supersedes both of those now. Like, that's how pushed it is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like yeah. They gave, you know, a two-drop board wipe to ad nauseum decks. Now they don't have to worry about getting getting hit for four off the flip or anything like that. Yeah, these are like multiple format all-stars, too. Yeah, yeah. actually, you know, seeing anything with overload or an alternative cost that has a much higher impact, but on the face card, it has a very low CMC, those cards tend to be valuable. Those te- They tend to have good effects and yeah. be well-costed. And, and if you can build your deck around the commander that has removal stapled to it, you were telling me about the Kenrith deck that you were watching that was using... Uh, his abilities in a u- unique way to like kill his own things to like go into battle pump an opponent's creature that was blocking his creatures oh yeah get the death trigger i mean that's just because you know, you know kenrith loves abusing dark side so yeah they were saying like they someone was swung at them with a one one and then they just gave it a plus one plus one counter to make it a two two and then was able to kill their dark side by blocking and then yep. just reanimated dark side on top of the stack yeah i absolutely love uh hapatra like it was the first deck I ever built. Very interactive yeah. deck. Very interactive. The uh, interaction is stapled to the commander, and in the form of neg one, neg one counters. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So whenever she deals combat damage, she gets to put a neg one, neg one counter on target creature, and th- it's just, it's so flexible. It's like you hit one opponent, and then you put the neg one counter on a different opponent's creature, removing uh, something, or just like, in general, just creating a snake for yourself is valuable in that deck. Um, you guys have seen it enough times. You're like, just making loops. Yeah. You're going you're just infinite. Yep. You're just doing classic Evan stuff, going infinite. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. funny that I don't win those games. Yeah. I mean, you, you dawdle for a while. You you look at some cards. You make some tokens. You, Enemy number one. Yeah, generate some counters. You, know? was, uh, you do a lot of stuff. What, like two weeks ago I played that deck, and I had turned forward the, the Hapatra-Yogmoth combo out there, wiped the board, probably saw 20 to 30 additional cards, and still lost the game because I just did not fall into a tutor or... You baited all the removal. I baited all the removal. And so the game lasted like three hours, which you never yeah, you want died to see. So you, you just died and everybody else had like 35 Yeah, players. I got like <laughs> three more slushies just waiting for that game to end. <laughs> I, I also love, as far as like permanent-based like removal and stacks, uh, Cinder Vines uh, is Cinder one Vines of my favorite great. pieces too. Kind of Oro silence yeah, yeah, it punishes those uh, storm decks, and uh, like I'm playing it right now because it is like you just pay one, sack it, and destroy target artifact or enchantment, and it deals damage to that permanence controller, so uh, two damage. Do you finally remember the name of the card that you're super hot on that is falls into this category? 
Out, Outland Liberator, the one you Ooh. just bought a bunch of. Oh yeah, I just buy. I did buy a bunch. Of yeah, that's a. I love that card and like just having the the sacrifice ability to remove a artifact or enchantment on the front, and then if it flips, then you just you still have the sacrifice option, but you're still now you're getting the attack triggers on top of it. It is just super interactive, super sticky. It requires uh, a removal piece. You know, someone's going to have to remove that if they don't want every single thing they own and love to be destroyed. Yeah. Uh, Outland Liberator and Cathar Commando being in the same set, like when we saw those Both initially, cards. I mean, yeah, the Outland Liberator is printed at uncommon, which kind of made Cathar Commando slide down the value scale because people saw it as common, but it has flash. And so it is essential. Flash is super important. It makes it instant speed. I yeah, honestly at the risk Cathar of uh, sounding redundant, you know. I think Cathar Commando is better. It's, yeah, it, yeah. Even it though better, you have yeah. the back on, like the stapled uh, removal on attack triggers for the werewolf side, it's like. It's so inconsistent to rely on the werewolf. Guys, if there's stacks at your table, too, there's a deafening silence effect in play yep. where you're limited one spell a turn. You want that flash. Yeah. Yes. yes. I mean, yes. like last week, I mean, my jet mirror plays a lot of rule law effects, and I was able to, like, eternal witness back a th- Cathar Commando for my one spell, and then was that rotation later cast the Cathar Commando. So, like, flashes, nothing to scoff at. Yeah, more and more I'm seeing Cathar Commando as a generous gift on a creature. Like yeah, it doesn't hit everything that generous gift would. Right. But again, like you were saying, like, you know, just in play the interaction that synergizes with your deck. So if you're in a creature deck, Cathar Commando might be better than Generous Gift. Yeah, and the typing on it, yeah, the flexibility. Human? It's a creature, it's a human, yeah. And uh it destroys an artifact or enchantment, something that might be slowing you down. Um so yeah, interaction is such a wide conversation. It's hard to like bring it into focus and really focus on any one like aspect of of it. We'll probably have more episodes on it. Yeah, more episodes on like sorcery speed or instant speed or single target or, or widespread. And yeah, if there's particular aspects of this topic uh, interaction that you guys want to hear us talk about, for sure, mention that down below in the comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have thoughts on all of it. <laughs> we so, love interaction. We yeah. love playing. This is how, in my mind... Interact with us. Yeah, interact yeah, with us. We want to interact with on you. Interaction. Interact with us on interaction. I love like... I love interaction. You're right. You're right. It is my favorite topic. Yeah. The, 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 I guess the speed of your decks is... Uh, I'm envious of it. Because you see so many more cards than I do in any game. I could build the same deck as you. I wouldn't play it the same way. You know, you're just all gas, 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 gas. And so your interaction... I'm always terrified. Boom. Roasted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm always terrified of it because um, you always have a full hand, which is just something mentally threatens me yeah uh, you assume that he's holding up interaction to at all times you. at all usually, times yeah usually right but yeah. also how great is that interaction just that the interaction of the mind game thinking that i have the interaction in hand yeah and when you have to go into a game against absolute strangers you go into your lgs and you're sitting there and uh you're just meeting people for the first time if you're conscious of hand size and you're trying to get something going on your board, it's just always good to be conscious of removal. Whether you've been conditioned to believe so, it's just, it is a healthy habit to say like, you know what, maybe I need to draw something out. That's like another aspect of uh, removal and interaction is that the way you play the game, how you assemble your win condition is just as important to how you interact with your- Changes your play style. Yeah, you need to be able to draw things out, you know, and that's, I guess uh, that's one of the mistakes I made in, in last week's game was just not playing to, like, I was playing to my outs, right? But I could have done it 
in a different way that drew the interaction and I could have assembled like a stronger win condition later in the game. That is, I find more and more the hardest part of playing competitive commanders, just knowing when to go for it versus when to sandbag. Yep. Yeah. You're not always the beatdown. You're which not is, always the beatdown. Uh, a classic topic here in Magic the Gathering. Totally. Yeah. And so, we'll, yeah. yeah, we'll return to this subject at a later date. And I think there, there's one thing that we want to like talk about, and we want to do a little bit of a game, uh, like a post-game rewind today. Uh, so this is a little bit of a, a segment post-discussion, but we actually had some really great games. We don't play high power in our pod very often, but when we do bring the gas, it definitely turns it up to 11. We uh, have a few things that we want to talk about, so like talking through our mistakes or uh, insane plays that we saw others doing or insane plays that you made. So, uh, Jordan, did you see anything uh, or make any mistakes? <laughs> in, did I make any mistakes? I never make, make any mistakes. mistakes. Next topic. Um, <laughs> not that I can think of for this sesh, but uh, I will talk about a sick ass play. Yeah. Um, nice. Well, it wasn't me, but I brought my Jet Mirror deck to the table and I let Carl, Kyle borrow it. Uh, and he won that game quite spectacularly. Uh, and just seeing the opportunity, I was kind of coaching him a little bit. It was the first time playing the deck. And just seeing the opportunity, he had a Catman Siste uh, trigger, and he was tutoring. And grabbing, I told him to grab the Linvala because Evan was playing Zakama, which is a combo deck, but he had value cast Zakama, which is on the battlefield, which is just a terrifying presence. So shutting out Zakama, Ritter had a Protean Hulk that was delayed and was about to come back into play with Dina, his commander, on the battlefield, which is a sacrifice outlet, but you have to activate to sacrifice. And Evan, as we said with Song of the Dryads, had nerfed Thrasios, but I was working actively to get Thrasios back. And it, he just grabbed a Linvala, and now I was like, all right, well, I guess I just never play Thrasios for the rest of this game because there's no way I'm removing that plus the Song of the Dryads. As soon as I hit the board, I went, yup. Yep, and it just, everybody took a backseat, and it was just, let's watch Kyle play Magic. And then he swung with Jemir and Linvala, and then next turn went for the Winota and started just snowballing out of control. It was such Kyle a... Kyle loves a Winota trigger. Oh. Yeah. Who doesn't? It's in his wheelhouse. Yeah, so was, that was that was absolutely fantastic to watch this deck just get absolutely out of control. Yeah, it just got out of control so fast because like once the Limvala was on the board, and the next turn Kyle went and he searched for Winota, and then put Winota out there, got the trigger, and like then two or three attack triggers on the first time. Yes, completely locked me out of the game with like by revealing a Takatli Honor Guard. Yeah, it was the first one, and then like he whiffed on one. I forget what the next one was, but it was like protection or something like that. Yeah, but that just creates a hard lock. You can't activate abilities. You don't get enter the battlefield effects and it is almost like a one-sided humility like, <laughs> yeah it just is what renders it felt like. rendering your options more and more useless is usually what that deck's trying to do yeah and when you play higher power games there's not a whole lot of widespread removal which i'm i'm starting to regret like i need to play more of it that's why i'm playing winds mm -hmm. of abandon now like uh, yeah i've been yeah we've been yep. hotter and hotter on that card lately as like just creature densities in general are getting more like you're seeing just huge lavish battlefields people have so many things on the battlefield yeah i mean i mean but sweepers do feel bad to have them in hand when you don't need them True. like you know you're holding a four cmc spell that could be gas mm -hmm. you know and it's doing 100%. nothing this right is why now, those modal spells you know? like the dam the cyclonic rift the winds of abandon are so so good delayed blast fireball is like the new one that's been on our radar yeah, they're it's rising fun. they're rising on like our list they're rising just in general in price mm -hmm. yeah just a 
generally good thing to be targeting as far as removal because sometimes just like the single target removal isn't enough. Yeah, I, I mean, I do play a couple pieces in any deck. I'm, you know, if you're playing in black, you're going to play Toxic Deluge. Gotta. Like, it, I, great rate on that. It's going to be the relevant best, right. all the time. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, if when I'm in white, I'm you know I'm playing Dave Judgment right now just because it, it's fine. It's a fine sweeper. Vanquish the Horde though is an excellent sweeper. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a basically a white blasphemous act. Yeah. Um, you know, you gotta play it. I, I mean, it's, act. yeah, <laughs> also good. Also great. I mean, you gotta pack at least one of them. You know, Fire Covenant too. Yeah, almost every single game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Any in, in pretty much any single game, like there's been a point where I wanted to either be holding the sweeper, or I was hoping that someone had a sweeper or multi-target removal or something like Heliod's intervention also goes off in that context. Mm -hmm. There are a few times where you just have single-target removal in hand. And you look at the board and like, this is not going to cut it. Yeah, this right. is not going to do anything. Right. I mean, if you're, you're if, the if, if you're trying to disable stacks, uh, board state, uh, you need multiple pieces that do multiple things and. Yep. You know, that, that one piece of removal is not going to, you know, removing Archi Archon of Ameria or Deafening Silence or, uh, you know, Ghostly Prison by itself is not going to do it. It's not right. going to unravel that puzzle for you. Well, we right. got absolutely sandblasted by this Jetmere deck, and there was a time when I picked up uh, Hadouken! I picked up a Lightning Bolt, and I just uh, I didn't have an option because after that, Kyle had established his board state to a point where... Everything was being buffed by an Elish Norn, and the Avon right. Mind Sensor had shut us out of the game. We all had... Like, like all game. Yeah, all game. It sat there, and it was just a, too little too late for me to get that uh, Hadouken, but it uh, it would have saved the game, and I tried to use it to, like, give... You know, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I tried to kill the Avon Mind Sensor, and then it got... Def the Lightning Bolt got deflecting swatted. That was me. Uh, yeah. Jordan swatted it. To, to a different target. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, bro, I'm trying to open up the lane for mm -hmm. all of us. Not letting the but, combo deck have tutors. Well, yeah, but the funny thing is, is that like you see the threat that I am and you're like, oh, he's doing it on Kyle's end steps. That must mean that he is about to go off and win by removing uh, you know, the piece of stacks that's stopping him from searching his library. So yeah, it, in hindsight, it makes sense. You don't know what I have. Um, but yeah, I was just trying to like open up the alleyway for all of us to no, for sure, get for back sure. in the game because Kyle was clearly like the biggest threat. Um, another insane play that I saw actually had me on the receiving end of it. Uh, Ritter, when you dropped the green slime on the Smothering Tide's <laughs> first trigger. Guess what, Dad? I learned it from watching you. <laughs> I saw you make that green slime play, green and I immediately so went online and bought one. I'm pretty sure this like, is the first time it's come up in this episode, but yeah. it's a great interaction piece. It, it is great. So, I, I mean, it's sticky because it's stable. So, here's the thing about green slime. So, one green, two colorless. Uh, when it comes in... Uh, you counter target activated ability of an enchantment or artifact or triggered yeah. or, or triggered ability and then it also destroys it and so there's other things in play here which is great because you, you know it's interaction right there but then it's also a 2-2 body mm -hmm. it has flash if you fl yeah it has it flash has, which is awesome it has foretell which for some reason which one day I'm going to find out what that does and I'm going to see it play <laughs> see it happen in so a game sick. and it's going to be pretty cool uh, <laughs> but it is it is some card text you yeah, know? it does say it on there. Yeah, and I'm sure it might be relevant at some point. You know, you're one yeah. to find relevant card text. Yeah, yeah. Like, so read all the cards see. on a let's card. See. Or all the text on a card. Yeah, I mean, I built a Fortel deck way back uh, <laughs> with Chromium as like the head before they 
I, I don't know. I really wanted to play Dream Devourer. There's there's that card that gives everything foretell that yeah. you can build around. Yeah, Dream Devourer. Yeah, Dream yeah. Devourer. It's just not legendary, so you can't really yeah, rely on it being Ooh. in your hand. Every yeah. It's an okay mechanic. Yeah, yeah it's, it's okay. Um, but yeah, the green I will slime. say Green Slime doesn't even need foretell. It's stupid good. Yeah, it's uh, definitely underrated. Yeah, yeah, you never see stifling as like a an interaction piece anymore. Like you know, Tails End is great, but you don't really see it. Nobody plays Stifle. Trickbind's cool because it has uh, uh, split second, so you can't do anything in response, and it stops. It's like a Stifle effect, and they can't do anything for the rest of the turn. But even then, nobody plays these cards because they're just too circumstantial, really. But like now that you have something that offers that plus a removal on a creature with flash like it's just so many good things on one card it never feels bad in hand doesn't feel bad you know like i'm against interaction where an interaction piece is going to feel like a dead card if mm -hmm. i can imagine that card feeling dead in my hands then i'm probably going to take it out of the deck pretty early on in the deck building process but a card like green slime it's it seems like all upside. Yeah, too many it good artifacts like, and gems. Yeah, it seems like format. it's never going to be dead. It's it's going to be relevant in in every game at some point. Right. You like, know, even if you're just turning off someone's soul ring, you know, yeah. just blowing up a soul ring and setting someone back two mana. That's the difference between them going off. Yeah, it stops. And them not going off. Yeah, it you stops know? some loops that are happening, like a basalt monolith uh, and a kinnon deck. Like there are like very niche scenarios where it does save the game. Or Honorable yeah. Breach on the stack, you know, it's a it's a time where you have to have an instant speed removal is when someone casts Honorable Breach because there's usually no untapping. There's no getting back to your turn because they win. Right. So now you have another option in a creature-based strategy that just interacts with it and stops it right there. Yeah, and you're trying to pioneer that in your uh, Jetmere list too. So, like, yeah, we've been talking about Jetmere a lot, but it's just because it is so good. We just played it this week too, yeah, and it really it did like pop off. So it's kind of on our minds. Yeah, it feels like really. But it's like kind of right wrong. casting cost in the right colors. Yeah. that Creatures enables added. various strategies. Yeah, you know, with little to no pain. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's a very interactive type deck too. Yeah, and outside of like that one high powered game, uh, Kyle had tried his hand at playing his Jota list, which was surprising like yeah I love that, that can Jota. be explosive the weakness is that it's a glass cannon it'll develop this board state uh which i'll let you explain the mechanics you're better at explaining that stuff but like uh it'll develop these like ridiculous board states but then you have to wait around for for your yeah. next turn to yeah, do anything with it a lot yeah so i mean there, there can be the inclusion there's always like ways to buff the deck up like including like a samut would would be great for that deck to roll to cast a Samut and cascade into something would be insane. I will say though, like even though yeah, it might be a little dirty, is that you have to invest a lot of mana, untap, get to that value piece. But he played interaction. He played low cost interaction, which means all throughout the first half of the game he was interacting. He swords to plowshares. Uh, I had a devoted druid. Um, Needed just, to happen. Yeah, so like he had interaction. So I'm just saying that yes, it's not a competitive deck, but by having low costed interaction, it kept him in the game. It kept him relevant. And it's just a great way for any like mid-range deck or like more of a casual player to punch up is by just having interaction and being able to like kind of keep a game from getting out of control. Right. Yeah. You can you can make any deck better by adding interaction. Exactly right. Yeah. That is our thesis statement. Put yeah. more uh, please put more interaction. So in if you decks. guys haven't yeah, if you guys are un, uh, uninitiated with Joda, uh, the new Joda from Dominar United, it is a uh, 
plus one plus one for each legendary creature you control and then it also has a cascade for legendary spells and you have to hit a legendary creature that has mana value less than it so kyle's build for that is using partner with as like the primary mechanic so every time he casts a legendary creature it's you likely with partner with and you cascade into something it enters the battlefield you get card advantage by searching for the partner with and then the other legendary creature enters the battlefield getting more card advantage by searching for its partner with you're ending the turn with five legendaries yeah, yeah. It's, it's just too a much. shame to get back around to them you know i think at that point you would cast uh a damnation or something. yeah i i, I overloaded dam that's yeah. right yeah there you go dam is good yeah yeah uh, back your board wipes but that about does it for us here today we're uh we're gonna because we could talk about it all day um if you guys enjoyed the show, be sure to follow us. You can follow all of our, like all of our links down in the description below. We have a little link tree set up there on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, if you're on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe, and stay tuned for more by hitting that little bell. And uh, you can find us on most major podcast channels now. So we're on Spotify, Audible, and iTunes. Uh, and yeah, thank you guys for listening. Pose a, I'm going to pose a question to the, the audience here. Oh, yeah. What interaction piece do you like that we didn't name? Because there's so, so many. Gosh, I mean, yeah, there are just so many that are unlisted. Like, please. Looking forward to reading about. your comments. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Mock Stars Podcast. We'll catch Bye. you next week. Goodbye. Episodes every Friday. Yeah. <laughs>